This is the podcast, not an interview. This is a conversation. No gimmicks, just reasons. 84 reasons. Come holler at me. No games, no gimmicks, just reasons. My, every time I get a chance to sit down with one of the originators, I always be messing with. I see people want to talk about Danny Warfare. I got to play with Rex Grossman and Chris Lee and you know Jesse Palmer. But Coach Spurrier got here in '90. My next guest is the originator of it all. I got to go. I got to go through these accolades. First team All SEC in 1990, 1991, 1992. SEC Player of the Year in '90 90 and '91. Second team All American, Florida, Georgia. Hall of Fame, family, University of Florida Hall of Fame, and recently got inducted to the SEC Legends, the great Shane Matthews. What's going on with you today, Shane? What's going on, Ben? Appreciate you having me on, buddy. No, I appreciate you coming on. First and foremost, congratulations on the SEC Legend induction. What was that? I mean, obviously, you know, I, I know they be having it. Every time when you got voted in, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, Shane ain't in yet. I'm like, okay, these guys obviously got to go through this. What, what was it like getting that call? Well, they had Coach Spurrier call me. I think the university, uh, each university kind of selects who they want to represent is what I've been told. And Coach Spurrier called me, I guess, about a month ago or so. And he just, you know, Coach Spurrier, just want to let you know you're you're the Florida SEC legend. Hell, I don't know what took him so long. Uh, that's what he said. But uh, I talked to some of the people uh, when we were on the trip at South, South Carolina. A lot of guys were talking to me in the UAA. And I guess what they try to do is they want to make sure you're there to be honored at the event and on the, at, the, at the SEC championship game. And I played a long time in the league. Um, and I guess they had to put a bunch of older guys in. I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tremendous honor. And uh, I'm probably going to be booed to hell and back when they introduced me in, in the game. Ben, if the Gators don't make it, you got to assume it's going to be Georgia, Alabama, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I know I'm going to get booed by the Georgia folks. Alabama might cheer for me, though, because I helped them win a national title in 1992. But, it, it, isn't, that, but isn't that the ultimate form of validation when the Georgia fan, because, you know, Georgia don't forget anything. But yeah. the misery started in 90 with you that said, listen, I said up until like, and obviously they won in '80. They just, you know, they got back to back now. But they like, man, this dude named Shane Matthews. They got the spur you got here, and we we talked about the air raid. But somebody had to run it, and you didn't just run it. You was running it in a way to where that's kind of what we're doing now. Here we are in 2023. That's kind of what everybody's doing. But when Georgia, would you feel comfortable if Georgia fans was cheering you? That that's the crazy. If they was actually <laughs> cheering for you, uh, that'd be cool. But that ain't gonna happen. We we know that. <laughs> But no, Shane, I mean, when you think about college football now, obviously what is what it does in revenue is it would take another whole you know show to do, but the air raid. Guys, it's crazy. The first time some of these guys now go in the center is at the combine. All they do is sit there, they slap their hands together, they they begin putting guys in motion. Did you see college football becoming what it is now? No, I mean, it's it's kind of become seven on seven. You know, what's what's crazy is a lot of people didn't realize I never took a snap in the shotgun until I became a pro. Uh, under Steve Spurrier, my three years, I used to begging, Coach, let's play a little shotgun. It's like, no, no, we're going under center. 
And he didn't change his thoughts until they got clobbered against, uh, I think, I don't know if it was in the Nebraska national title game or the game where they had the rematch with Florida State when we when Danny had trouble uh, being protected. But, uh, yeah, football now, it's all about getting the ball in space. You know, the rules have changed to favor the offense. And so you're crazy as a coach to not try to get it to these great athletes out in space because it's hard to tackle. You know, people want to bitch and complain about covering guys and linebackers missing. It's just hard. It's hard. And, uh, the, the, you know, offenses have the advantage, no doubt about it. I mean, you mentioned, you know, you big spur you to do it now. It's almost like you, you, know, you take these guys now, they're they 6'4", they 6'5", they're 220 to 240. They got big arms. And somebody will say, you got to work on your footwork. And they're like, what are you talking about? Because to them, they're saying, oh, I'm not saying you can't throw it, but what's different in the league and college is the league going to force you to do the normal stuff. They're going to force you to do this mundane play action. Being a, being a, being a quarterback, Shane, when does the game slow down for you? Because obviously the coach won't give you plays, but when do you see what he sees to the point where you go, oh, okay, okay, I can see what that too high mean. Because quarterbacking, you got to know your height. You got to know the protection. You got to know who's coming up. When does the game slow down to you with so much terminology? Well, I think it's different for every person. Uh, you know, I was fortunate being a coach's son, being around it my whole life. It kind of came natural to me. Uh, I don't know a whole lot of things on in the world. I ain't real smart. But when it comes to X's and O's and looking at a playbook, I was lucky. I could look at a play one time, Ben. I never had to look at it again. I knew what everybody did. I don't know if it's a photographic memory or what, but it just went, it became natural to me. And, and you're right. I mean, some kids, you know, if they go come from a shotgun only system, whether it's high school or college to the next level, they struggle when they have to get up under center and take a snap. You know, the timing is totally different. Uh, I tell kids that I, I work with or talk to, you know, there's nothing more important in sports, regardless of what sports you play, you better have good feet. If you don't have good feet, you can't play anything. Think about that. You can't. And so everybody gets so enamored with arm strength, but majority of playing quarterback is from your waist down. You got to have great feet, great balance, and, and that will make you a good player. You've seen, you know, you've seen them all. You've seen Danny. You've seen Jesse. You've seen Rex. You've seen Chris. You've seen Trask. You've seen Tebow. You see Mertz. You, you know, you see, uh, you know, Felipe. None of those guys, none of those guys are the same. None, none of them. None of them. But they say when you play the position, you look at it. You look at it different. When you're looking at a quarterback, what lets you know? Because you don't, you don't got to watch 30 hours of tape. You can watch five or ten plays and say, yeah, 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 that guy right there. What are you looking for in a quarterback to let you know? Because we know they can spin it. But you hear the quote, that's an NFL throw right there. What is it that you're looking for when you're watching these quarterbacks at these big-time colleges? Especially at Florida. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I talk about it all the time on my show. You know, there's three things that, that I learned from Steve Spurrier playing for him and being around him so much that I look for in a quarterback. One is, is decision-making and processing the information. Two, accuracy and anticipation. And three, mental and physical toughness. Now, one time did I talk about how fast you run, how far and how hard you throw a ball because I don't care. If you can do those three things, you can play a long time at a high level. Uh, you know, I think in today's world, so many people get enamored with splash plays, not just from the quarterback position, but all over. 
I like consistency, you know, um, and those are the, th- the, the things I look for. And I can see, like, that's why this summer I wasn't around in the spring because I was coaching XFL. I missed all the spring, and I know the Gator Gators looked terrible in the spring game, and Mertz looked horrible. Didn't, I didn't see one play of it, Ben. I didn't go watch any tape or anything. I went out for the first couple of weeks of uh, summer training camp. I was like, this dude is good. I was like, what's everybody talking about? This dude can play quarterback. He's a real quarterback because, you know, you've been around quarterbacks where they're just natural leaders. It ain't fake. They ain't trying to be who they aren't. People, Because when you do your job, you become a leader and people just gravitate towards you. I saw that in him and he was accurate. And I was like, this guy's got a chance to have a hell of a year and be a great Gator. And he's played really well so far. You trust your eyes more than anything. Because like you just mentioned, I mean, if you go off what you hear, you especially in Florida, it's, oh man, he's the worst ever. Spring games are... All we're doing is counting healthy bodies at the end. We're just trying to get, get let guys get some tape. It used to be you could do a spring game and don't nobody see it but Florida. Now it's on SEC Network. It's like mm-hmm. a real game. But, but you mentioned a guy like Graham Merce, who people don't understand. He was recruited by all these big schools, but he's looking at depth charts saying, man, I want to play. I don't because you know, Shane, if I come to if I come to Florida the same time as Shane Matthews, well, that, five, six guys don't come out the, don't come out the field. That's a five-o lineman in the quarterback. He, unless he get hurt, he's gonna be in there. You look at what he's doing right now. What Graham Merce is doing right now is people kept saying we got the win in spite of him. Got the win in spite of him. Yet you haven't heard nothing. Twelve touchdowns, two picks, taking care of the football. What? How? You said you went to practice. What play did you see that made you go, "Oh yeah, that kid right there, he's gonna be just fine." Well, like I told you, I saw I didn't go every day, but I went like two or three times the first two weeks. And, you know, when you practice against each other, Ben, as you know, it it gets kind of old. Everybody knows each other's plays, your splits and tendencies. But he threw completions. And I saw those freshman wideouts that we had, Andy Jean, Trey Wilson, Aiden Mizell, with Pearsall and Caleb Douglas, some of the older guys, Willie's kid. I was like – they haven't had these type of skill guys here. And I didn't even mention the two running backs, but they ain't had these type of skill guys here since the year Trask went nuts with Tony Pitts and Trayvon Grimes and that crew. And I'm like, this team has a chance to win a lot of games if they play offense like this. Uh, and But we know Billy's kind of somewhat conservative. But what I saw was, as I said, a real quarterback, not a guy that's going to wow the general public. Because I think that's what, Nowadays, so many plays are thrown on Twitter or just highlights. I just saw the consistency and just his leadership skills that I was like, this dude's legit. Because as you mentioned, he was, I want to say he was the number two quarterback coming out of high school. And I think his choices came between, came down to Alabama and Wisconsin. And and I, I, I don't talk to Graham much, even on road trips. I'll just give him a fist pump and say, let's get it done. But I really want to sit down and ask him, why the hell did you decide to go to Wisconsin? Because, I mean, that's, a, that's like the worst place in the world you can go to be a quarterback, either there or Iowa. Um, but I, I just I just thought he was a really good player um, from what I saw. And, I, and of course, I had heard and watched some games at Wisconsin, but I didn't care. I mean, because there's been a lot of kids that transferred that have played really well at their other school, <coughs> or their new school, I should say. You mentioned, you mentioned uh, 
having no having those skill guys, right? You talk about Wilson, you talk about Pierce Hall, you see what's going on with Arl, you know, Arles Boardingham, you talk about the running backs. What's harder to develop? A quarterback with a, a quarterback that has great potential that lacks that lacks the skill guys or some great skill guys, and I'm not saying this is merch. What do you have to have? You do I want the elite quarterback that has some subpar skill guys, or do I want elite skill guys that can ultimately bring out something I, I don't know great in a quarterback? Well, as a quarterback who wasn't real fast and was only 180 pounds his senior year, I want dudes around me, and I think any quarterback will tell you this. I want dudes that I can throw a flat route to, or I can throw it on fourth and eleven being chased to Arliss Boardingham, a tight end, he can make a guy miss and get me the first down. That's what I want. I want dudes around me because that's what a quarterback's all about. Yeah, you got some tremendous players, the Pat Mahomes of the world, that are just phenomenal. But when you have great players around you, it's your job. You're like the point guard. Just get the ball in their hands. Let them do all the work. And, and the thing about it is, Shane, the reason why I say it is because now, you know, everything is guru-driven. You know, you go somewhere, oh, this the quarterback guru. You know, I know Carson Palmer's brother. He he helps out with a lot of quarterbacks coming. And I respect what they do. <clears throat> it's much easier to listen to a guy who did it. I'm I'm not taking nothing away. You know, those brilliant offensive of mind, people say, well, Steve Spurrier's a brilliant offensive of mind. We also won the freaking Heisman. He also played the position. When you when when you are, you mentioned, you know, you talk about the XFL, you talk about, you know, coaching. When it comes to coaches now, what do you think is the hardest thing these coaches got to deal with? Because now we know Graham Mertz, depending on the part of the country he's from, not to keep on harping on him. I know him when he's 14, 15 years old because he's in these seven-on-seven tournaments now. I know Trent Dilfer used to do that. Now he's the head coach, you know, uh, over there at UAB. When it comes to these quarterbacks, what's the best advice you would give them? Because they listen to everybody but the person who matters. I always I say, you listen to your dad. You listen to your family. But if Shane Matthews says, look, I don't want nothing from you. I'm not looking for tickets or a jersey. I don't want to represent you later. You need to work on this because when you start not playing well, it's going to be because of the part that no one understands but me. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, like watching tape, uh, even when we had all these showcases around the country for the XFL, I watched some of it, but I'm like, I need to see his game tape. I need to see live action. I don't. I, you can go all the combines you want in these shorts and t-shirts and throw to targets and and be accurate and throw at 85 yards and do all that, but that's not football. It's just like the seven on seven nowadays is is like travel baseball when I was growing up. Um, it's good because you go compete. I think it's always great to compete. I think seven on seven is great for receivers and DBs, but it's not real for the full, for the quarterback. Uh, you know, or you can work on your accuracy and fitting it in tight windows, but you don't have anybody rushing you. That's that's majority of playing the position is feeling the rush, being able to see fine passing lanes. So <clears throat> my my whole thing is for young kids or anybody at any level, uh, what you do at combines, it's it's just all the measurable stuff. I need to turn the tape on and see how you play with the lights on and in real football, 11 on 11. That tells you who can play and who cannot play. Billy Napier, right? He, he gets, he's, we watching him continue to build a culture because what happens is no matter what, 
when Spurrier gets there and, and he finds, I, I, I know, I remember you telling me how many quarterbacks on the depth chart. He's looking for the one that can run his side. Like, look, I got to get the guy that can run what I'm trying to do. And when he got that in you, the culture was set because he goes, man, my culture is going to be built in one thing, winning. We're going to win, and Shane going to help me win with the guys around him. Billy Napier, not so, I mean, he, he, he walked into a mansion called Florida. The problem was, you know, he got to fix some stuff. He needed a big road win, check. Got to get a big win in the SEC. Did that against Tennessee, check. Where do you see him at? You know, year two, I mean, it's going to take longer. I know I know now people want they want these microwave coaches, put them in for 30 seconds, win a national championship. It don't go like that. Where do you see him? Where do you see his growth? Because as you mentioned, the same way, only, only, the only person going to understand Graham Merce is a Shane Matthews because you played in Florida. The only person going to understand, you know, Billy Neighbors, Coach Burry, Dan Mullen, those guys, but what do you see his growth in year two? I'm a, I'm a huge Billy Napier fan. I like everything he's done with the program. Uh, he took over a mess, there's no question. And he, he, he and his staff are tremendous recruiters. I mean, they are recruiting. Football's changed, as you know, Ben. You used to play, and you had your recruiting season, or the coaches did. You know, coach, do recruit. now it's recruiting every day of the year. Not only kids on the outside in high school, you got the portal you got to look at. But you got to continue recruiting your own players on your own team to make sure they don't go anywhere. But I think Billy's done a phenomenal job. Um, you know, obviously we got the 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 lagway kid coming in who's highly touted. Um, you know, Mertz has another year, but but from a program standpoint, I mean, we've it is night and day. Com- when you look at last year's roster, the most productive players on that roster, Billy Napier was responsible for. You know, you think of Osiris Torrance, Ricky Pearsall, Montreal Johnson. Uh, there's probably a couple others that I'm, I'm forgetting. Well, look at the players that are playing this year. You can just see from an athletic standpoint, we are so much more athletic and a better football team because of the players they brought in. Year three should be the year. Um, now, look, it's uphill battle with with the Georgia Bulldogs, what they're doing. Uh, and, you know, obviously Alabama's history, LSU. But I think we're definitely heading in the right direction. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm a Billy Napier fan. Can we all question what he should do? I mean, we're all Monday morning, Monday morning uh, quarterbacks, you know. Uh, I loved his 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 plan against South Carolina, and I hope we continue using that type of plan because I'm all about. I, I think we have two tremendous running backs. I love running the football. I even said on our broadcast the other night, I, I was shocked. I said, "Mix in a few runs here, Billy." You know, that's when we were throwing, throwing, throwing. But you got dudes on the outside that can make plays. Get the ball in their hands in space. South Carolina was a game that, you know, we hear the term, you know, we hear that phrase, 60 minutes, 60 minutes, but it was so many ebbs and flows because Florida is, you don't, you know, we talk about having to win in a, in a you know, hostile environment, having to have, being down 10 points, I don't care who the team is in the fourth quarter, on the road is going to be hard to do. What did you see in the fourth quarter, you know, Shane, that made you go, dude, this is it? Because now, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. We'll take that. We'll take that. Uh, that ricochet uh, slant off the hands of one. We'll take that. But that's football awareness. That's a quarter. That's a because that could have went a lot of different ways. But what did you see in the fourth quarter that we can build on, especially with them Georgia boys coming in two weeks? Well, <clears throat> coming from behind, that was that was an unbelievable game. Uh, I wasn't sure we could win it or not. Uh, you know, we we never really got stopped the entire game. 
we kicked more field goals than you want, but we had to kick those field goals because we had something bad happen on third down. It may be third and five, but we get a holding call or whatever. So now it's third and 15. As you know, fans want you to throw it past the the down marker. Well, the odds of you comp- converting third and 15 are so slim. Just get your guy in field goal range. We did a great job of that. Uh, as you said, we got some breaks. We converted all our fourth down plays. Uh, the, the, the ricochet was probably Graham's most inaccurate throw he made all day. A little bit behind Ricky, but Trey was in the right spot. But this team, I, I think anytime you win a game like that, I think everybody's been a part of that type of game somewhere in their football career. You can build on it. Now, George is a different animal. We all know that. Brock Bowers being out is definitely going to help because he's a freak. He can just cause – he's your position. He causes way too many problems for linebackers and safeties. So that definitely helps us. And Carson Beck's played much better, but the, the just Stetson Bennett had that it factor. You know, that's why he was so successful as the starting quarterback there. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not saying we're going to lose this football game. I'm not saying we're going to win it, but I think we're going to be very competitive. I think Billy's going to have to be aggressive calling plays. And defensively, we're going to play a lot better gap sound defense. And maybe we can get some turnovers, some special teams plays can go our way. You never know. I mean, that that football ain't round. It doesn't bounce right back up. It can bounce different ways. So, And as you know, uh, it's a great environment over there in Jacksonville. At least we're sitting at 5-2, and two, and the Florida Gators control their own destiny. I mean, think about that. Anybody, any Gator fan would have taken that going into the Georgia game. Being on, being on, being on the media side of things is, is, you know, I had to learn this. You know, I've been doing it a little while now too, Shane, and I had to learn how to, you know, when somebody pulls you to the side and said, "Listen, I know who you want to win on Saturday, but what do the analytics tell you? I know who you, I know you got orange and blue glasses on when you're watching the game now, because obviously, you know, when you, when you, when you." Uh, when I have to go out there and be, a, you know, analyze the same team I played for, sometimes it can get a little rough. Cause in the booth, you know, I get it. But when you watching it, when you watching Florida, just from a, you know, casual onlooker, what impresses you about it? Because they're very impressive. But if if Shane Matthews is a casual onlooker, he he has no affiliation with Florida, and he's watching last Saturday. What do you come away from that game saying? Well, I come away saying uh, the quarterback's very good. Ricky Pearsall is outstanding. Got a lot of good young talent. Got two great running backs. Uh, and they got some young guys that fly around on defense. They're not always in the right spot. Uh, but I think it's a it's an extremely young football team that has a chance to have the type of year they want if things go their, go their way. How scary can Florida be down the street? Because obviously you see, you know, Mizzou, somebody told them, you know, to be good this year. They six and one. Florida State ain't lost. Uh, LSU, they've had our number the last, you know, three or four years in a row. Florida had to answer the test against South Carolina, and they did it. They had to learn how to bounce back from a Kentucky team that's beat us three years in a row, give them a lot of credit. Florida goes into Jacksonville, and they do the unthinkable. They beat Georgia, but they stopped the streak of win for Georgia. How much do you think because they got a guy like Billy Napier as the head coach, they're going to have that? Because as much as we talk about being humble, man, we ain't in this social media era to where some people got so much access to us. 
Do you think if Florida does the unthinkable in two weeks, beats Georgia, you think they got enough, you know, momentum, enough grit to not lay an egg down the season and potentially, dare I say the crazy thing, of potentially going to Atlanta? Well, I'd love for them to go to Atlanta. Uh, you know, that, that would be ideal. Yeah, if, if somehow we beat the Georgia Bulldogs, boy, you got to – uh, who do we play after that? Do we go to LSU the following week? I can't remember. We go, we go to we go to we go to LA, I think we go to LSU and Mizzou, and we got. Yeah, I just, I just didn't know what order it was. I think we go to LSU first. But look, you're right. So so there's five games left in the regular season. Some good football teams. Uh, but look, the the Arkansas is struggling. They got to come to the swamp. Florida State. I, I'm still. I mean, they're a good football team, but. The, the Keon Coleman kid has really made them a good, good team, but they're struggling defensively. They're, they're, their statistics are terrible, and they got to play in the swamp. So that's a different animal. That crowd can help. Uh, Missouri, we don't play well there. It's a weird, weird place, Ben. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it is strange. They're playing good football, but we'll see how they play up to that game. And then LSU, I mean, LSU's on a record pace offensively with Jaden Daniels and his crew, but defensively, they're in the 100s. I mean, they're terrible. So I, I'm always optimistic, somewhat realistic as well, but if, if if we play aggressive football on offense, I think this team can win a lot of games because I trust the quarterback and I trust the skill guys. And we're not great up front, but this QB gets the ball out. He's been taking a beating, but he gets the ball out. It's you know, he takes some sacks, too, but that's part of the game. But we can make enough plays offensively to win some games. That game-winning throw for Mercer Pearsall. I mean, I, I, I saw it. I ain't, I ain't want to Tony Romo that thing. But when I saw that safety shade over and I said, if Graham could just – the way he manipulated that safety with his eye, because that's, that's quarterback. And when you go – because people saying, that, that safety was right there. That safety didn't have a chance. Once, once, because like you mentioned about Pearsall, Pearsall, man, that boy there, when I interviewed Pearsall, I said, man, why are you coming back? He said, man, I want to win the Blitnikoff, and I don't want to just be a Florida receiver. I want to be one of the ones that people talk about, and he is a, he got a PhD in route running. What, that corner didn't have a shot. That yeah. corner was so nervous because he was trying to play head up the outside. Ricky was like, man, I'm going to do you, bro, and nothing against you. When that throw, because Yes, if that safety didn't realize that, I mean, he's probably going to throw it to the best receiver on the field. That's probably who was going to – I thought he was going to shade a little bit to the right. But when you saw it, Shane, that was a beautiful – as soon as he stuck and, and went to the and went to the post, it was already in the air. When you watching that, are oh, you saying to yourself, that is beautiful football. I mean, there is nothing you can – unless that's Ed Reed or Troy Polamalu or Sean Taylor, you're not – that's going to be a touchdown 10 out of 10. It's either he catches it or drops it. I said, please throw it to Ricky. But it's not that it's not so much that he threw it to him. Ricky was like, man, I'm gonna give you such a big throwing window. And he about looked at that safe like, no. What was you thinking? Did you did you know it was did you did you think that was gonna be the call or what you said to yourself? Well, I, I didn't know, you know, because we were kind of we were kind of in a hurry up offense there. Cause the previous play, I think we had like a two or three yard, we ran the ball and lost a couple of yards. You know, it was a three by one formation, and I got to see all this after the fact, you know. When we're trying to call it, I see the formation, but I don't know the play. And I don't know what the Gators call it, but it's an old West Coast play. The Sluggo seam play. I don't know if you've ever ran it, Ben. Yeah. It's a three-by-one. So I think it was Khalil ran the Sluggo. He actually got jammed. So the quarterback's taught in that. 
if I can throw the slant and go, I'm going with it because it's one-on-one. Well, he's, I think he saw him get the collision. And so by him looking and pumping over there, or they could have just told him to pump it and come back and play the seam to the hitch. But when he pumped, as you said, that safety just moved over just enough. Ricky ran. It's a seam, but it almost turned into like a quick skinny pose. Boy, he put a good stick on it. And as you said, Graham threw a good high straight ball. And uh, it's a beautiful play. And uh, one that we'll remember forever, really. I mean, the way the Gators won it and winning it on that that touchdown throw. Shane, I know, listen, I went through your accolades. First team All-SEC from 90 to 92, SEC Player of the Year, 90-91. Second team All-American, Florida Georgia Game Hall of Fame, University of Florida Hall of Fame. Now, recently, SEC Legend Induction. When you look back on your career now, right, when you look back on do you say to yourself, how in the heck, like, because cause cause I'm, yes, you used to it now, right? But when you hear players of the year, guys want to go to Florida to play. I want to play. I want to get out there on Saturday and say, hey, mama, I'm not just getting you tickets. This is, this is us out here. When you look at everything you've accomplished and still getting recognized for them, I mean, wh- you know, what does that do to you? I mean, how does that make you feel? Well, as you said, I look back, a kid from Mississippi coming to Florida who was buried on the depth chart and got an opportunity when Steve Spurrier was hired. Uh, I mean, I owe it all to him. Um, you know, the three years that I played under him, put up big numbers. And, you know, Ben, I probably would be recruited today. I mean, I was six, one and a half, six, two, about one. I was 165 when I signed my scholarship. In, in 1990, my first year as a sophomore playing, I was 170. I got up to a whopping 175 my junior year, and that was 180 my, my senior year. So I took a beating. But, uh, and then to be able to play as long as I did in the NFL, mostly as a backup, because I was a good teammate. Coaches could rely on me if something happened to the starter. Uh, I just, I was very fortunate, man. I tell you, because uh, you know, the average career of NFL guys about three to three and a half years. And to play as long as I did, I was very blessed and uh, wouldn't do it. There's some things I wish I would have done differently. You know, I, I work, I'm bigger. I'm, I'm like 210 right now, and I'm pretty strong, but I haven't done anything different. I just, I guess I got bigger and gained more weight the older I got. But, uh, yeah, it was a, I, I would love to be able to go back and play college football again, though. I think you play pro ball a long time. There ain't nothing like running out of that tunnel and playing SEC football. To know that Steve Spurrier trusted you, because you know when you, when you young, we thinking, man, how do I get on the field? How do I get on the field? We thinking athletic ability. No, the head coach got to trust you. What? Like, no, no, you can throw all that. Oh, you can throw all that other stuff out. If the head man trusts you, that means he's going to bat for you in that staff meeting room, because that's what the decisions are made in that staff. And and they saying, and he's a, he's saying, Rob Blanche, can you can you get him up to? Coach, he was 160, he 170 now. Well, can you look every time I see him, I say, look, I want to see you eating something. But it don't, it wouldn't matter what you did, Shane. That that Gainesville Heat said no, no, no. It's gonna end the game. I don't even know how much if you weighed 170 in the, you know, before the game started. I don't even want to know what you weighed after the game. You're probably 161. Yeah. In that heat. But to know that, and nothing against everybody, the greatest, the greatest. Thing to happen to Florida is Steve Spurrier from a player to a coach to know that the start of his career is directly tied to you because he had to sit back and say I got all these quarterbacks I want him I don't know who the quarterback coach was 
That's what I think of when I think of you is because it took me a year to realize when I'm at Florida, how do you play? And Dwayne Dixon said they got to trust you. I said, who is they? Oh, that, oh, that, that will be Coach Spurrier and Jamie. You know, the little dude, but I, I love Jamie. <laughs> Jamie just walk around or whatever. Y'all got to go to Florida to know who Jamie is. But yeah. to look back on it now to say, I didn't need to be two teams. It would have been nice to deal with some of that punishment that I dealt with. I didn't need to be 220. You still, you said I would go back and do something different. Well, hell, all you didn't do was win the Heisman and win the Natty. But you said you said something when the show first started. You said uh, with, the, with the receivers, you said Willie, Willie's kid. So you got Khalil Jackson, Willie Jackson Sr.'s grandson, the son of Willie Jackson Jr., the nephew of Terry Jackson. That's the, that's the royal family. When I look at you, I say it all the time. I get into it all the time. You know, people be talking about, and so who's the greatest quarterback ever come through you know, the SEC? Dude told me, Peyton Manning. I said, how? I said, I'm not talking about what he did in Indianapolis. In the SEC, yeah. If you never went to Atlanta, if you never beat Florida, how are you the greatest? Well, you know, Ben, you can't, you, you can't make an argument for it. Yeah, he was the number one overall pick. Well, so was Eli. When I think about you, I think of, look, my mom, I showed my mom, I said, mom, I said, that's Shane Matthews right there. She says, listen, she says, there's no way a guy that small can be that, you know, can be that successful. And I started going through your stats, right? And she goes, then I said, she said, well, wait a minute. He was with Spurrier, right? I go, yeah, mama. I said, it's easy to say he had Coach Spurrier, which is true. But Coach Spurrier called the plays. He got the run. That, you know, and Coach Spurrier plays simple. But they was effective as hell. I mean, Coach Spurrier played. Uh, we went to the Orange Bowl. Coach Spurrier played the quarterback. He told Rex. He said, "Rex, we're gonna run a three by one, three by one." He said, "The two, the two inside guys gonna run hitches. The outside guy, he's gonna he, listen. He's gonna run a post. He's gonna run to the back of the end zone. You can just throw it up. You can just throw it up like a layup." Now, in our mind, we thinking that that's not gonna work. He goes, yes, it is, because they're going to be stupid enough to be a man-to-man. And that corner on the outside got the chase. So we get to the game. And Spurrier is literally doing this on the sideline. He's, just, he's telling them what he's going to do. Go back to the game. Call it. He throws it up to Taylor Jacobs. Taylor Jacobs catches the touchdown. Taylor Jacobs was Orange Bowl MVP. He only played the first half. That's so to me, So to me, when I think about you, I said, people always ask, Benny, what kind of? relationship you have with Coach Spurrier. I said, my relationship was great. I didn't play quarterback. My relationship was beautiful. You <laughs> had Shane and Danny and Rex, but I will say this, Shane, about you, man. You've always been a class act to me. You act because people ask, man, do you know people think that the best alumni come from that that team down in South Florida. I say they got some of the most prestigious ones, but what the hell are they coming back to Miami for? They ain't coming back to watch no man. Don't get me started about that team down there. They don't even know. I, kneel down on the ball, Crystal Ball. That's another whole show. But <laughs> when I think about you, I think about the fact that you don't have to come around, but you do. You didn't have to, you know, give your wisdom to, but you do. How is it being on on like working at Florida now? In a sense, like calling them games. How is it doing that? It's fun. You know what it is is uh, you know, it was fun back when we used to play in the in the league. Florida was dominant so you talk so much trash in the locker rooms to opposing or to your teammates and now you know when you're out of the game and not playing and you've played sports your whole life coach Spurrier always says this it's cool to be a part of the team you know he he thinks he's part of the Gators too because he's the ambassador uh so you know 
I fly on the team plane. I go to the hotel. We go on the, you know, the police escort. So it's very cool. I I, I try to be as honest as I can on the broadcast because uh, they told me to be honest. Uh, I'm never going to bash a player because I know how hard it is. But, uh, you know, I don't sugarcoat it whenever I, in my opinion, we should do something uh, or, or not. You know, I said on the broadcast the other day after that interception, I didn't realize South Carolina at the time had three timeouts, which was weird in that type of game just to have three timeouts with like 20 seconds left. As soon as we intercepted that, I told Sean Kelly, I said, and we better take a knee or I'm jumping out of the damn press box. And I didn't realize I didn't realize I said that on Airbnb. And then my phone started blowing up with people laugh, you know, laughing. Hey. They quoted it and we're laughing. So I'm I'm part, I'm still, I'm a gator, man. I want us to win. There's no question about it. Of course. Listen, you remind me a lot of Chris Dawn. Chris was like, man, when I first got in the booth, I had to realize I was, I didn't realize how much I cussed. Until <laughs> I got in the booth, but they was like, cut, 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 quick, quick, quick. What? Wait. And, and and it was funny that, but at the same time, too, though, I tell people this, I said, man, I I played with Kevin Carter with, with the Titans and the Bucks, right? You know, Kevin Carter had a freaking hundred, a hundred like dollar steak dinner, um, freaking like a like charity event, and he asked us to come, you know, be the waiter. We back there eating that steak, Shane. We eat <laughs> people food. So mind you, listen, listen. So we not ate so much of the steak. So at the end, he goes, "Hey, before y'all leave, make sure y'all get y'all steak dinner." So like, nah. Now I said, no, we, 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 we good. He said, come here. He said, look at me. He said, y'all was eating them steaks. I said, no, nah, no, nah, they, they were just, man, them steaks are so, I, I'm not even a, a steak guy. I don't know how the hell, to, and people are like, how you want your steak? I'm like, done, hell, I don't know, cooked. And when, the, and we, we, we got butter, we are cutting this steak with butter knives. It's so, we like that. So wow. me being the top draft, the rookie, being from Florida, they said, well, Troop, you got to eat one first. Why? Cause I mean he ain't gonna do nothing to you. I'm like, and I'm like, so I cut a piece. I said, oh my god, we eating these people's steaks. And then somebody yells out, we need them on table 16. It's like 10 people at a table. I said, you better tell them the oven broke. So we were tearing that. And that's what I mean when I say when you when you go to Florida, you can't separate it. When I see Brandon Spikes out there, when I see Tate Casey, you, Chris, you know, you know, you know what's crazy is I I never. I mean, I see Spikes now on the road trips and stuff, and I talk to him a little bit. He, he probably don't know who the hell I am, but we talk a little bit. I ain't never, and, and I know he's not in shape right now, but I couldn't realize how big he was. I mean, he's about 6'4", which is huge for a middle linebacker. I mean, I, I was shocked at how big he is. He's a, listen, Brandon Spikes, <laughs> Brandon Spikes, is a, he's, a, he's a man child. That, that dude, that was my goodness. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. When when I'm out and about, it don't matter what you tell people you do. You say, oh, I did this, I did You say, I went to Florida. They go, what? They finna, they finna, because, you know, everybody got a Spurrier story, everybody. And mm -hmm. I go, I said, Coach Spurrier is the coolest dude ever, man. He just had a problem with, he had a problem with headsets. That <laughs> We had a problem with the first one. He go, the second one I always stayed on. That first one is, and, and we want to go ahead and get that out the way in the first quarter. Just throw it. I say, but Coach Spurrier, to me, what separated him was he found a way to have an individual relationship with every player. It wasn't the same with everybody. Right. But he knew you. He respected you. And if you say something stupid in the paper and he find out about it, he going to call you out in front of the team. Yep. He going to say, you're not stupid. No, no, no. We're stupid. For putting you in the game. It, no, it ain't you. It's, and to me, that's what I appreciate about it. But like I say, congratulations on the induction, Shane. 
Georgia fans, do what y'all supposed to do and boo, boo him. Y'all know y'all supposed to boo. Because, you know, boo at him. Don't bark. Well, they, they may not be there, though. We're jumping the gun here. They It may be the Gator fans in, oh, in listen, uh, Mercedes-Benz Dome. Listen, if Florida, when Florida makes it to Mercedes-Benz, beautiful stadium, by the way. You don't got to worry about Atlanta doing much. They, sorry, I'm a long, you know, long time, uh, you know, born and bred uh, Falcons fan. So, you know. And for those of you who don't know what that means, that means that when I die, I'm gonna ask the Falcons to be my pallbearer so they can let me down one last time. That's what that means. <laughs> but uh, Shane, man, I appreciate you taking the time. He is Shane Matthews, Florida Gator originator, legend. Listen, now he get to call them games, call it like he see it. I am being true. As Ron Zook said, the greatest thing, the greatest thing you can ever be called is a has-been. Why? Because that means at one point you was that one. So two has-beens just talking about. Them Florida days, man, I hope it changed. Listen, stay, well, I, I guess I'm going to say eat as much as you want. You don't got to work. Just stay healthy, though, I mean, whatever whatever that means this day. Hey, man, this is the latest. This is the latest. Stop with 84 reasons. No games, no chemistry. That's the reason. What's the reason for the day? Shane Matthews, you don't got to like it because it's in stone. And guess what? If you don't think you're that good, you a Tennessee fan, you a Missouri fan, you a Mississippi State fan. Most of y'all ain't even got no tradition. A cowbell is not a tradition and a hottie toddy. What the hell is that? That's not even a real thing. And we out of here.